worked for the NSA. I, I, I was read onto a lot of these programs. And many of these programs are illegal. And yet, uh, but at the time, they were different. There was, there was things that were safeguards in place that are no longer there. Um, they raided my home. Uh, they took all, you know, all of my electronics, uh, including, you know, my, my work computers and everything, um, you know, which, you know, forced me to out myself to my employer because I left the FBI after I blew the whistle. There's no way I was staying there. And um, they, they ensured that I lost my job at the VA. Um, they went after my family. Uh, Senator Grassley shortly thereafter posted a document to uh, to the, uh, the Senate Judiciary uh, website uh, that was declassified that showed that the CIA had been spying on uh, both the House and the Senate Intel Committees to identify and find whistleblowers. Um, we know that there was a report that came out uh, about um, the, uh, you know, the intelligence agencies spying on the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. Vaccinated or not, toxic spike proteins pose a long-term threat to your health. The top doctors at the Wellness Company have introduced a revolutionary spike support formula that is the only product that contains ingredients that block and dissolve spike proteins inside your body. The powerful formula has been shown to dissolve spike proteins and blood clots, and it works to help your body repair from other potential damage. This amazing formula is also much less expensive than buying each ingredient separately. That's because the wellness company puts you and your needs first. Use the link below or go to sarahwestall.com under shop to buy your daily spike support. It's time to protect you and your family against the effects of COVID, vaccines, and shedding. Again, use the link below or buy at sarahwestall.com under shop. Welcome to Business Game Changers. I'm Sarah Westall. I have FBI whistleblower Nate Kane coming to the program. We're going to be talking about a lot of different things and his whistleblowing, how he was treated. His work is in the Durham report and what what he came up with, but he was there when they realized all the corruption of the Clintons and then how the FBI buried that and then watched what they did against Donald Trump. And he blew the whistle on all this, this Russian collusion and all that. He was the one that blew the whistle. And then the retribution, what they did to him afterwards is pretty intense. He also has some information on the immunity agreements that are unknown to the public that social media companies have. And we talk about that. I was a little bit on the edge of my seat with that because I didn't know about that. It's a big deal. It's why we're seeing a lot of the things that we're seeing. So this is a great interview. I think you're going to enjoy this thing. It's what's going on right now. It's what's happening with our government. It's the weaponization of our government. And that's what he says. And he's running for Congress in West Virginia. And one of the main platforms is ending the weaponization of our government. And so his website is natecane4wv.com. And you can go there, learn more about him. You can donate, do what you want. Before we get into this, I want to tell you, if you are still needing to protect your assets and or you want to buy more silver and gold, Contact Miles Franklin, info at milesfranklin.com. Tell them that Sarah sent you and you, it's a promise from Andy Sheckman to me that he will give you the best prices in the country and really good service. I'm telling you, I don't have anybody complain ever to me about their service. And what more do you want 
than the best prices in the country and amazing service on something that you really need to protect your assets. This thing is going down and it's going to go down. We just don't know when they're going to keep kicking the can down the road, but there's only so long they can do it. And when all this money comes flooding back, all this U.S. dollars come flooding back, you're going to wish you had some of your money into silver or gold. And it's better to prepare now than to wait. Okay, info at milesfranklin.com. Now let's get into this really good conversation with Nate Kane. Hi, Nate. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. You have an amazing story. You are an FBI whistleblower and have kind of got yourself into a mess, I suppose, just like other whistleblowers I've had who go who blow the whistle on some extreme corruption. You blew the whistle on the Russian collusion story and the Hillary Clinton, you know, what she was doing that they were covering up while they were pushing false narratives. But then you paid the price for that. And so I want to talk about what happened to you because you were persecuted incredibly. But can you talk about what you blew the whistle on specifically? Sure. Um, so I was uh, working at the FBI. This was back in um, 2016 is when I started working there. And then uh, I was working there uh, through 2017 and 18. And um, there was, uh, well, actually 2017, I left and I ended up blowing the whistle, though, two times. Um, the first disclosure was directly to the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. And then I had a second disclosure that went through the formal process of the Intelligence Community Whistleblower Protection Act. And that was um, uh, done through the DOJ IG, uh, Michael Horowitz, and eventually made it to both the House and the Senate Select Committees on Intelligence. Um, what it uh, entailed was uh, basically what's in Durham's report on page 78. Um, it got into uh, mostly financial records uh, suspicious activity reports uh, that came from the U.S. Treasury and uh, what they call FinCENs. And um, I ended up uh, taking out uh, probably about 300 pages, you know, of documents that the FBI had been investigating. You had three major field offices involved in the investigations. It was the uh, New York field office, the Little Rock field office, and, um, and then you had the um, uh, Washington field office that were involved. And everything kind of started when uh, I came in one day to work and I overheard a conversation from one of my uh, government supervisors and uh, he was you know, talking with one of my colleagues and I walked over and they were kind of whispering and I said, hey, what's going on? And he shared, uh, shared with me that there was some transcripts of a communication that had happened between senior members of the FBI uh, on the seventh floor, as we called them. Uh, where they had discussed about stuff that they were finding and investigating Hillary Clinton and words like treason were being thrown around and a statement was made, this is so big, it can bring down the government. And um, they had also discussed that they, you know, they thought that Hillary Clinton was going to get elected and they were afraid of retribution from her. And so they decided to cover up these crimes. So when I first heard this, of course, I was very uh, disturbed by it. Um, I have sworn the oath to the Constitution to uphold and support the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic, three times, uh, first as a United States Army soldier, and then as a Navy civilian, and then a Marine Corps civilian. And uh, and I believe that oath stays with me for life. 
And so I could not ignore what I was hearing. And I ended up having to, uh, you know, go and dig and look into, you know, get access to the, um, to the FBI's classified network. So I just did some searches and I looked to see if I could find these communications and I did not find those communications. But what I did find was the evidence, uh, the evidence that the FBI was in fact investigating and did have a lot of uh, evidence that they were reviewing. And these FinCENs, by the way, they were not uh, your typical suspicious activity report that is just, you know, the bank's information. These had already been reviewed by FBI agents, um, by analysts. They had already been um, documented the entire money trail. Uh, they had um, analyst notes in them that gave a high probability of criminal activity, primarily in four areas. Uh, the first one was money laundering, and most of them, you know, were related to that. Uh, then you had public corruption, and there were a couple, uh, maybe two or three, that were related to that. And then you had one that was related to securities and exchange fraud, and one related to terrorism financing. So, so that that was all the um, when I saw these was that all through the Clintons? Uh, not not the campaign. It was the Clinton Foundation, um, CGI Global, which is a Clinton Global Initiative, and um, and then you know her associates and, and other people like uh, Clinton Giestra, which was a Canadian uh, charity set up between Bill Clinton and um, I think Frank Giestra. But it was involving all of the things that, uh, quite honestly, a lot of these things were put together by Peter Swisher first in his book, Clinton Cash. Um, that is what initiated the, the banks looking into it. And then the banks turned over the suspicious activity reports to the U.S. Treasury. So U.S. Treasury then built these FinCENs, which basically laid out the entire money trail, that then went to the FBI and the FBI analysts then go through and, and verify, you know, the credibility of the data and all of that. So um, it was it was pretty shocking. Yeah, I had, and I want you to talk to this. I had people on at the time, you know, from Haiti because they funneled, they were raising money for Haiti and they, they stole, they laundered a lot of that. I had um, banking whistleblowers that talked about um, the amount of money that they were funneling through these banks for different activities. I mean, did it talk about all of that? Plus, the big one is the Uranium One deal. Yeah, so Uranium One uh, was a very uh, a good amount of the data was dealing with Uranium One. Uh, there was also uh, another piece uh, where the terrorism financing one came in had to do with money leaving the the Clinton Foundation and going directly through uh, multiple um, basically shell bank accounts and ending up in um, Gihad al-Hadid, uh, his account. Uh, he was the senior uh, spokesman, spokesperson for the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt. Uh, he was also on the terrorism watch list. And so money was going into his account on a monthly basis, you know, around $9,000 a month. Uh, you How know, much a like month? Regular salary payments. About nine thousand a month. Oh, so he was just like on months. salary for them through the one yeah. of the Clinton yeah. foundations. Now, uh, when you saw that the amount of corruption coming from them, but then when they started going after, they ignored that because they're afraid of retribution, which is a bad. I mean, retribution, and they won't even go after something like this bad. Okay, so they're afraid of that. They don't go after that. But then they went hard after Donald Trump on fake stuff. And did you know that was fake? That's right. Yes. Um, so there was a How couple of things. Know? So go ahead. 
in it, well, in addition to what I turned in, um, so most everybody knows about, you know, me turning in the stuff on the, you know, there, there was two basic things that, that occurred or that I turned in. One was the financial records, these suspicious activity reports. Um, but when I went back in, I was asked um, specifically to, uh, by, the, by the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, they asked me to go back in and gather um, intelligence reports that would confirm whether or not the FBI knew about uh, Rosatom's attempts or the Russians' attempts to utilize their company, Rosatom, to infiltrate the uranium supply chain of the United States. And uh, so I went in, I did find uh, intelligence documents that showed that the FBI knew this prior to um, you know, them allowing the CFIUS committee to sign off on the sale of Uranium One, which processed 20% of the U.S. uranium supply uh, to a Russian energy company. And um, and that uranium, of course, ended up going over to Russia. And now the 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 crazy thing about it is that, you know, if we want that, that uranium back, we have to pay the Russians for it. So uh, this was a, a huge national security breach. And um, but who got the money up, uh, for that sale? Who got that? Was it like the was it the Clintons that and their buddies got money for selling our? That's right. Our, so yeah. so basically, the money, you know, of course, um, you know, the money went to, you know, the sell of the money went to you know people that were involved. I think uh, like the you had money that was funneled into uh, Frank Gestro's accounts and and Bill Clinton's accounts, and then you also had uh, Rossatom was a a subsidiary of another company uh, who ended up paying. You know, um, you know, hundreds of you know millions of dollars in you know speaking fees and things like that to Bill Clinton. Uh, there was also other things, and I can't get too much into the details. Um, but there were there were foreign countries that were not not good countries, countries that were you know adversaries of the United States uh, that were funneling money through multiple charities and that you know and eventually making its way into the clinton foundation um you know of course is a this is where a lot of the money laundering uh, charges were stemming from and then okay so you saw them not do anything about that and then you saw them making up stuff against trump okay right and so so there was that. so there were some things about that um that were kind of interesting that i had some experience and in, in knowledge about um one what prior to me going to work for the fbi i was uh, i was part of main force cyber uh, which was the Marine Forces Cyber um, Cyber Warfare Command, and I was a uh, part of a, what they call a, a CPT or a Cyber Protection Team. Um, we were an elite team, you know, um, who were tasked with protecting national critical infrastructure and going against hackers that were attempting to, you know, um, hack into our, our national critical infrastructure. So we were on what's called national mission, and we were detached to NSA. Uh, because of that, I was read on to FISA, 702, intelligence authorities, um, SIGINT, uh, you know, a whole lot of other what they call special access programs that deal with, you know, very highly top secret um, you know, surveillance tools and, and things like that. And when I went through all of that, there were some very strict rules that were in place to protect um, American citizens' constitutional rights. And one of those um, rules was uh, the fact that we could not, if we unmasked, you know, a, a phone number, for example, and it was tied to an American citizen, uh, immediately that entry had to be deleted. Uh, we had to then go and um, go through a formalized process of going through the courts to be able to get the, you know, the warrants and stuff necessary to go beyond that. 
But there was also a rule that did not allow for the sharing of unmasked um, intelligence between NSA uh, and the FBI. And that's important because what the NSA does uh, is a foreign mission. It is not you know, a mission uh, that is targeting U.S. citizens, uh, whereas the FBI has a domestic mission. And so the sharing of classified information or sharing of unmasked information uh, for it to go to the FBI and be used by law, it has to be, you know, go through um, you know, form, you know, court proceedings because we have something called the Constitution. Yeah, but can I ask you a quick question? Yeah, it's supposed to protect us. But I remember hmm? Obama, right before he left office, he did an executive order for all these different intelligence agencies that's, to share data. That is exactly where, yeah. So that's exactly where I was going with this. Okay. Um, I was aware of all of this because I had, you know, I had specific knowledge of what these, what these capabilities are. And when Obama, um, you know, basically removed the protection and um, you know, essentially change the rules and drop the requirement uh, to only share mass data. Um, I believe it was done as a setup uh, to set Donald Trump up so that they could conduct, um, you know, the the crossfire hurricane. And so there were a number of things that I was concerned about that I was trying to bring to the attention of the HIPSI. Um, I also brought up a. Uh, I handed over a document that included. Um, it showed that the FBI was uh, that they were involved in paying or had a contract with uh, the Southern Poverty Law Center, uh, which is a far leftist uh, organization. And uh, what they were, you know, what they had hired the the SPLC to do was to help them identify um, domestic threats, you know, of homegrown extremism. And they, of course, uh, were ignoring groups like Antifa, uh, you know, Antifa, BLM, other, you know, um, you know, far left separatist groups, including violent separatist groups. Um, but they were they were targeting Christian organizations. They were targeting conservative organizations. That's, that's right. Yeah. So, um, so I had also included those documents, and I went into also some other things that I provided that were related to uh, some of the narratives that were being pushed uh, by the left at the time. Because you'll remember after the 2016 election, um, you know the the uh, the Democrats were trying to say that Trump stole the election and that the Russians helped him do it. And I had um, direct evidence, you know, and reports from within the FBI that were completely counter to that. Um, their own uh, internal assessments that showed uh, that there was very, very low likelihood of any kind of um, foreign, uh, you know, you know, you know, elections because of the way that the system is, you know, completely distributed. Okay, so you were able, you had that information, and you blew the whistle on. Can I ask you a question? How many people knew that, and sure. how come the media just pounded the crap out of it over and over, even though it was false? How, you know, how shielded did they, did, did, I know it was political, but did they, I think that they knew they were lying and they kept pushing it. And once they realized yeah, they, that there was a chance that there wasn't lying, they didn't care. That's right. Well, you'll have to remember there was um, a couple of key things that have come out recently that really have shed light on, you know, just how deep the collusion was between, um, you know, the federal government, specifically the FBI and the media. Um. This was a couple of years ago. Uh, there was a report that came out. Um, I think it was IG Horowitz that put it out 
that showed that there were multiple instances of the FBI leaking information on current cases to specific media outlets uh, in exchange for gifts, you know, ball tickets and, you know, ball game tickets and things like that. Totally illegal. Nobody ever went to jail for that, by the way. Yeah, but they were leaking Um, false information. So they got... That's right. They got baseball tickets for false information. And then these idiot journalists went and beating their chest. Oh, we got these leaks. Well, you guys are just like doofuses for the intelligence agency. See, I think they knew that and didn't care. Clearly. Um, But they also, you know, it it was a, there was also a clearly a, uh, an attempt by the FBI, uh, as we know, um, and this is something more recently that came out was that uh, the Twitter files revealed uh, that the FBI was paying three million dollars a year to Twitter to suppress that's the right. Hunter Biden laptop story. That's um, right. You also had uh, the the and I believe me, um, Twitter is the tip of the iceberg. I know uh-uh. I, I, have, I have a lot more knowledge about these types of of mm. agreements between federal government and social media companies that I cannot get into. Other than to well, say I, 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 that they're, I, I, keep going. Other than other to say, than to say that there are, there are multiple multiple agreements that the federal government has with social media companies that I believe are unconstitutional and illegal. How and, do we get uh, to I that? Fully intend. You fully intend. Go ahead. Well, I fully intend to to expose these things in Congress. Well, here's the deal. I. I don't know if you knew, but we, there's a group of us that sued Google. We made it to the Ninth Circuit. If we had that information, we would have made it. We would have won in the Ninth Circuit, or would have been able to get to the Supreme Court. We had enough let me, let information. Me guess. Go ahead. Let me guess. Um, you got to the point where uh, you couldn't seem to get past. Uh, uh, you know, even though you, even, and I'm going to tell you right now, even if you had all the evidence in the world. Um, uh, that, uh, you know, Google say was violating your privacy, uh, you know, um, didn't matter what we know, said, rights and things like that. it wouldn't matter. And, and I'm going to tell you why federal government has immunity agreements with these companies. Well, I know that section 230 immunity is this, you know, we know, I know all about all this. I'm stuff. not talking about section 230. There's more. What are you talking about? That's very interesting. I can't get into it. I'll just tell you. It is highly classified and it is absolutely unconstitutional, absolutely needs to be exposed. Uh, And I will do it, but I've got to go through a very specific process to do it. So when those things were put in place, there were special things that were in place, like I said, that were supposed to protect the rights of the American citizens. And what has happened is the government um, has basically created a scenario where they can violate you know, our rights unconstitutionally uh, without warrant. And, and now they don't even need FISA. Anymore. They use them as a proxy. And, They're using all these right. companies that's as right. a proxy and, to do what they want to do. That is, oh, and you have evidence of it. I so badly, how, how okay, how, I've seen how do it. we? I don't have the evidence of it. You've seen it. Okay, now what is. I've seen it. I've signed, I've signed some of these non-disclosures myself. Okay, so. so you know, I, I know about them. What do you mean you signed some of the non-disclosures yourself? What is that? I worked mean? for the NSA. I, I I was read on to a lot of these programs, and many of these programs are illegal. And yet, okay. uh, but at the time they were different. There was there was things that were safeguards in place that are no longer there. Okay, so, so now you want to expose give you, I'll it give you in one Congress? Example. You want to expose? How? Uh, give us the example. That's right. Go ahead. 
I, I have questions. You remember uh, Tucker Carlson's last, so Tucker Carlson's last, um, his last interview with Elon Musk was he asked, uh, you know, Elon Musk told him that when he took over Twitter, uh, that he went into Twitter and he said he couldn't believe, you know, the unrestricted access that the federal government had, you know, everywhere in Twitter. And he said, uh, and Tucker Carlson asked him, even with our DMs? And he said, yes. So DMs are direct messages. They are you know, supposed to be private messages between you know, individuals. They're not supposed to be, you know, seen, not even by you know people in Twitter, uh, but you know, certainly not by the government without warrants. They they basically had carte blanche access. Can they do more than view them? Can they go in and delete numbers and screw with you? They could, right? Uh, but they it's not legal for them to do that. I can't. I, let's just put it this way: um, there's a lot of things they can do and, and that are illegal, and whether they do it or not, um, I don't know. Well, not there's just a lot of us that are experiencing some stuff recently. Okay. I, I would not be surprised. You know, let's just put it that way. Whether it's the government doing it or whether it's, you know, bad actors inside That's Twitter right. or Facebook or wherever, I don't know. But but I can tell you that the capability certainly, is, you know, was and, and I think in many cases still is there, um, you know, for, for the government to have, you know, access to essentially censor the American people and violate the First Amendment to spy on people, violate their right to, you know, to uh, be free of search and seizure without, you know, just cause and warrant. Um, there's all kinds of things that were going on. There was a report released, I think it was last week, where the IG um, released a report showing that uh, FISA 702 abuse um, has happened on hundreds of thousands of Americans uh, connected with January 6th and also Americans connected with the George Floyd uh, incident. And so, you know, people on the left and on the right have been spied on by the United States government. Every American citizen should be concerned about this. This these tools well, were Snowden never talked about it, right? right? Snowden talked about it. We have Kirk Wiebe and um, Bill Binney who talked about it. We had all these whistleblowers talking about it. Now they're Kirk implementing it. Yeah. yeah, and they're now talking about, or they're now implementing this in full force with additional layers of immunity agreements that, which I didn't know about. I I'm. We're going to have to talk offline after this because we have some initiatives going on that um, God put you in my path right now. I'm just like, I can't even tell you I'm on the edge of my seat because of some of the things that you're saying to me right now. They they set up Donald Trump just like they've set up many people in America. Like you go to, you go to Washington, D.C. right now and as you find people who have been in jail for over two years. Uh, these people have been sitting there because of, you know, of, of essentially walking around, uh, you know, inside the Capitol building that the police let them into. And in many cases, you know, most of these people were not violent. They didn't commit any violent crime. They didn't even, you know, commit uh, any kind of damage or property. They simply walked into the people's house and uh, walked around. Uh, but invited. You know, in, in they, were invited. they were invited. They were let in. And, yeah. And and these and these people have been um, you know prosecuted, uh, overly charged, threatened you know, and so that many of them had to cop you know uh, plea deals, uh, and those that didn't, they're getting you know sixty year sentences you know for nonviolent uh, you know offenses that we don't even give to child predators. It, it is insane. Don't get me started on the child predators. We protect Listen, them. They haven't been Go given ahead. their they haven't been given their day in court. 
Uh, they have not been given, um, you know, their right to uh, due process. Uh, they've been denied bail. All these things are guaranteed to us in the Constitution. So all these things add up. But the bottom line is, is, uh, you know, the government has been weaponized against the people. But what's more insidious about what is happening today is that it's clear that this weaponization is targeting one particular ideology, and that is, you know, pro-Trump, pro-America first, um, you know, conservative Christians. That is who they are going after. Or, and they don't uh, they, care. They don't care, but they do go after other groups who aren't necessarily MAGA or pro-Trump who are in the COVID area era who are into truth about yeah. medical freedom. Medical freedom was a well, any, big anybody, one. Anybody that they see that is a threat to their Ukraine narrative. War. Yeah, that's right. Narrative yep. threat. Because they they people who are pro-peace against war, they go after those guys. Right. So, okay, let me ask you, you came forward, you did your official whistleblowing. You were in a witness protection. And so I want to ask you how you were so persecuted when you were in that. But they went after you for uh, what did they do to you? I mean, they just tried to destroy you. And it's a message, right? It's to tell other people in the FBI, don't you dare get out of line. That's right. Ultimately, my legal fees came to $198,000. With the global economy being in shambles and central bankers moving towards a reset, it's never been a better time to protect your wealth by owning precious metals. Contact Andy at milesfranklin.com. Tell him Sarah sent you. He promised me he'll guarantee you the lowest price anywhere in the country. Remember, email Andy at milesfranklin.com and tell him Sarah sent you. It's never been a better time to protect your future than now. Um, they raided my home. Uh, they took all, you know, all of my electronics, uh, including, you know, my my work computers and everything, um, you know, which, you know, forced me to out myself to my employer because I left the FBI after I blew the whistle. There's no way I was staying there. And um, they they ensured that I lost my job at the VA. Um they went after my family, not just my, you, your my family. children in particular. What's that? I said, not just you. They went after your children. That's right. Um, when they couldn't get to me, they went after my children and tried to try to get my children to, uh, you know, try to either turn on me or or they tried to create havoc, you know, in their lives. And um, uh, they tried to get one of my sons to wear a wire against me. And my son and I were having, you know, a, a difficult relationship at the time as it was you know it was that stage of you know he was turning 18 and that you know had moved out and and uh you know because we had some difference of opinion on how you know on how he was you know supposed to be living his his life at the time so they of course were listening to all of our conversations so they knew all the pressure points in my in my life in my wife's life in my children's lives in my friends lives um i'm certain they had 702 um, you know, uh, 702 warrants against me, and we're using them to spy not only on me, but my my close associates as well. Um, I, I know this for a fact. Now, I can't prove it, because to prove it would mean I would have to reveal, um, you know, who shared it with me. And I'm not, I will never do that. But I know for a fact. And not to mention that there's things that have come out that uh, showed me that there were people within the FBI that leaked this information to the press, uh, to the Times. Um, you know, they, there were a wide range of abuses that were done against me. And by the way, all these things happened after 
came out that I was a protected whistleblower with the uh, house permits and the also with the uh, IG, DOJ IG. How did they do that as a protected whistleblower? I mean, how, you're because they don't well, care. They're above the law. So I should say, let me let me rephrase. So I should say, instead of saying they, I should say he. There was one agent, uh, the special agent that was in charge that basically was running essentially his own rogue operation to do this. Um, eventually, I got sick and tired of it. I got tired of being, you know, a sack of potatoes that he could just kick around. And I decided to stand up and poke the bear. And uh, and so I I, uh, I filed a official complaint uh, for harassment um, to the um, Senate Judiciary uh, and uh, to the, the Senate Judiciary, the chair of the Senate Judiciary, which was um, Lindsey Graham at the time. Uh, I spoke with I didn't speak with him, but I spoke to his uh, investigative counsel and provided them details. And within two weeks, all of the harassment stopped. Oh, really? And, so he uh, helped you. And you're lucky because he isn't yes, always I, he always isn't in the camp of people that are I don't necessarily agree with Lindsey Graham, you know, on his position with the Ukraine and some other issues, you know, that uh, to me I, I have a problem with. But he did but he was up uh, he did right this way. This justice one. was done, at least in regards to um that's great uh, taking care of this individual. And that and that man, as far as I know, um he he is no longer an FBI agent. So oh that's great. Uh, but so the fact they... that all this happened. Yeah, go ahead. Well, so the, the fact that all this happened, though, it shows that that ultimately there is a a um, there is a rot within the FBI. <laughs> That's uh, an understatement. It, it is, and it is not just the senior leadership. I wish, you know, I, I used to hear this all the time and you're hearing it less and less these days. But you used to hear that, oh, you know, the rank and file are good. It's just the leadership. No, I hate to say it, but there's a lot, you know, not all. Um, but I would say there's a considerable number of people, even within the rank and file, that are heavily biased. Uh, that awoke. Um, when I was at the FBI, they had um, uh, they had transgender bathrooms, you know, that were like you know, had a half man, half woman. Uh, you know, they they had meetings where we could get out of our um, work, even as a contractor, and we were authorized to go spend the day, uh, you know, listening to somebody spout on about you know woke ideology with gender, you know, uh, stuff, and then also they had a. a Islamic Awareness Day, and you could go and listen to some imam talk about, you know, how terrible America was. This was going on in the FBI. That's incredible. Okay, so they they drill into you. How about you have to have respect for all these other groups, right. but then they turn around and treat the group that you're part of or I'm part of or any other that they don't agree with with complete lack of respect, no laws, total abusive tyranny, and they don't can't see that. You well, know, I mean, they treat them like a, uh, they treat us like lower than you know a piece of a gnat. I mean, they treat us terrible, worse than anybody treats the transgender people. I mean, my God, but they yeah. think it's okay. Well, this is yeah. This is why um, you had guys like Steve Friend, um, Kyle Seraphim, you know, FBI agents. Uh, they got sick of seeing this, and they didn't want to. They had nothing. They did not want to have anything to do with it, and they came forward and blew the whistle. Uh, but yet they were not treated as whistleblowers uh, and and they were basically put on administrative leave without pay terrible they've been in this continued circle of it it's it's horrible and, and so you talk there's to a, them? a serious problem i mean is yeah, there a yeah. is there a morale issue too now i mean because these guys that are 
that are okay with trying to the force you to treat FBI other is. people with respect, but then they treat other, you know, they treat you so poorly. I would think the morale is just in the tank. It, it is. Um, there, there are, you know, there are basically, I would say, you know, you have a handful of different kind of positions going on. You have those really most of the, like 90% of the problems in the FBI are probably central in Washington, DC. So there are agents that that work out of some field agent, you know, out in California or in Texas or whatever that really aren't aware of what's going on in the FBI. Um, like they may hear about it, but they're not experiencing it. They're not they're seeing shielded. the bias because they're not. Yeah, they're shielded from it. Uh, the FBI is very compartmentalized. Um, it is. Um, when I first went there, uh, there was a, a division head that gave me a book called um, I think it was called something like The Spider Web. And it was talking about how how everything at the FBI is compartmentalized in these different things. And so nobody knows what this group is doing and so on and so forth. And it's done that way because they have to protect, um, you know, they have to protect evidence, uh, protect cases that are ongoing. And, and, you know, hopefully there's not leaks and stuff that are coming out. But what we found out is that this isolation, you know, and this uh, segmenting also comes with, while it's good for certain things, it causes other problems. Like you have you know, corruption that may be in a unit out of, you know, say Washington field office and nobody knows about it and nobody's aware of it. And so that is part of the reason. And typically people don't go looking, you know, for trouble. They don't go looking into the, you know, I was a rare exception to that. I, I went looking because I heard something and I felt like I could not ignore it. But a lot of people, um, you know, they might not even hear something. And so they don't go looking to see if there's corruption in, in different you know cases that are going on. Um, but there are a number of, of FBI agents who have found out that, you know, once in cases, you know, a political issue or, or about a political person, uh, then FBI, you know, field, uh, the Washington field office tends to, you know, get their hooks into it and pull that case in and take it away from these field offices. I mean, this is what happened at Mar-a-Lago, right? Uh, Mar-a-Lago, you had FBI, uh, you know, agents that were out of the Washington field office that went down to Mar-a-Lago, not the you know, not the uh, the the field office, you know, down in Miami handling it. And that's because anything that they want to control, they have to make sure that it's their guys that are working on it, right? Well, how can they accept that there were all these boxes that Biden had and, you know, um, Obama had 50,000 documents and all these past presidents had all these documents, but Trump's, Trump is... Th- I mean, it just made no sense. It was so obvious the hypocrisy and the double standards and the difference of treatment. They have they don't even one of the things that. That, the, the people well, there people are so brain-dead, they can't question that there's a different set of standards. You know, I, mean, I don't mean to be rude, experiment. but you know, I mean it's like no, hello, no, people. But, but this is a it's a it's a valid question. Um, and I remember actually uh in college in um you know psychology 101, they had a uh, a series that we did where they were talking about a, a series of experiments that were done. Um, you know, after World War II, uh, they wanted to know how it was that German, you know, um, uh, soldiers uh, who normally were, you know, decent people, right? You know, but then how all of a sudden, you know, this war starts and they were able to be convinced to, you know, commit mass genocide and things like that. And so they did a series of experiments. And one of those experiments involved hooking up, um, students to electrodes and they had a dial 
and it had a mark that said, do not go beyond this mark, you know, dangerous, you know, it was like red. That's a famous study. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so many people know about this. Well, the bottom line is what ended up happening of it is that they were able to get teachers and the kids weren't really hooked up to electricity. They were supposed to pretend like they were getting shocked. And as the levels gradually went up, they were supposed to act like they were getting shocked even more. And they got these teachers to go way beyond, you know, the safe levels to turn the dial all the way up because they were being told to do it. It was like 30 some percent of people would do it. That's right. But there's still a a bigger percentage that because I've looked at some of those experiments, too. And if somebody in the other person, if the other people speak out and say, wait a minute, there's something wrong they can usually convince the people of truth. It's the fact that they weren't allowing people. Well, to there work. there are other people who will not participate in it, but they will keep their mouth shut for the sake of, you know, protecting their pension or protecting yep. their livelihood or protecting, you know, and, and I don't blame them because honestly, um, you know, what it's you a personal through? decision. Yeah. Well, people have to make a decision. Look, what I went through, um, I look at my kids, man, and my kids now, all suffer from anxiety. Um, I have, you know, my, my oldest son who's got autism has had major PTSD from, you know, seeing armed, um, you know, uh, officers walking around in my house while I'm detained and all my guns are being, you know, pulled out of my safe and zip tied. And they should you know, have to he pay remembers for that. it very differently. They should have to pay for that trauma, but keep going. But yeah, so, I mean, there, there's, um, you know, they've, they've, it's unbelievable the things that I've seen, you know, that have come out of this and, and the fact that the, what bothers me more than anything is I went to all of this trouble to bring this information and yet Hillary Clinton still walks free. That's she right. paid for her crimes she at all. Nothing, nothing and, that Biden, so, the stuff they have on Biden. But let me ask you, I know you want to say something else, but in, a, in part of this, tell me then why did they keep continuing knowing that the, okay, they had all the Clinton stuff they didn't go after, but she didn't win. They're afraid to do anything because they're afraid she was going to win and then retribution. Well, she didn't win. So why didn't they go after it? And once Trump won, why did they go after Trump hard? Go ahead. Because they had already, they already covered up Hillary Clinton's crimes. They shut down the cases. They they shut down the the crime scene now. They were the crime scene. Now, that's right. Now they are the criminals. And so they had to prevent Trump from looking into their criminal activity. So remember, the president of the United States. He is the boss in charge of everybody in the executive, including the FBI, including the DOJ. But remember what the Democrats were all saying? They were like, oh, you know, the FBI is supposed to be independent. The DOJ is supposed to be an independent, you know, uh, DOJ. That's a lie. The president has the right. In fact, I would argue that, you know, really the FBI and the DOJ really cannot conduct an investigation into a sitting president at all. The only way to deal with a criminal president uh, according to the Constitution, is to impeach him, and then once he's no longer the president, then you can investigate. But and that's prosecute not what they did. Because the fact is, no. In fact, what they did was they kept Trump completely isolated from, you know, controlling his own agency, controlling his own departments. Uh, they completely kept him out of the bureau. They kept him out of the DOJ. He had no, and then and then he was he was um, kneecapped right when Jeff Sessions you know, basically recused himself because his deputy was part of the problem. Uh, you know, Rod Rosenstein, uh, he was part of the Uranium One cover-up. He was the U.S. attorney who investigated Rossitom's, uh, um, you know, bribery and kickback scheme. And he said nothing and did nothing about it. And for, you know, 
multiple years, there was nothing. There was no action. It wasn't until I actually blew the whistle and brought those documents forward to the IG. Then all of a sudden, Rod Rosenstein got off his butt and decided to go, you know, bring, excuse me, bring charges against the owner of 10X. And, um, you know, and that was many years later. And that it was because he was going to get found out. People think that it's also there's influence from outside this country or the globalists and World Economic Forum, BlackRock. There's a bigger conspiracy going on based on what we saw with COVID. It feels like there's maybe some bigger players involved. But I, I mean, I well, we know just, China's involved. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we know, know China's involved. I mean, the administration <laughs> essentially has been accused of treason by and, and money laundering, you know, while sitting as an acting, That's right. or while sitting as the vice president he was you know performing a pay-to-play uh you know and, and selling uh, influence uh, to the chinese and to other you know uh, foreign adversaries that's treason he should absolutely be impeached and uh you know for treason well they have and, more they have so then, much on him it's incredible and oh, they, they can't impeach him which is just uh, and so then it goes down to even deeper it's not just this isn't just woke policies I mean, we can say it's all woke, but this is like people not caring about their own country. It sounds like a big blackmail, weird well, mental brainwashing thing going on. Well, the problem is, is that they, they can't. The reason they can't impeach him is because they don't have the undisputed evidence. Now, if they had the undisputed evidence, there's there may be a few Democrats that would hold out. But I think in the end, um, you know, people, you know, when the American people saw the actual evidence, they would, you know, they would have to. But well, they impeached the Trump is, on is a phone FBI, call. I mean, they did that yeah, on a phone yeah. call. Well, that, that, was, for God's that, was, sake. that was that was political political jockeying, and they knew well, it. But this case is different. They actually this have is evidence like real, on Biden. and they won't can't yeah. go anywhere with it. I think people watch. Well, they won't get so they they go won't get, You know, the FBI will not give the evidence to the Congress. The FBI is refusing to hand over evidence to the Congress, even under a subpoena. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. Um, How can they do that? That's you know, I want to understand this. How they, they can they shouldn't be able to? Because the fact is, is, is who pays their bills? The Congress does. If the Congress wants to stop this nonsense, they need to defund the FBI. Period. They need to say we are not giving you another dime until you cooperate. And in fact, the Congress that that is the only power they have right now because they don't have both houses, but they absolutely. To defund the FBI, and they should. So why aren't they? They should doing send that? the. As far as I'm concerned, they should send the entire country into gridlock if they have to, because what's going on right now is essentially a coup. That's what's happening. The coup has been happening for a while. We all know that it has. So it has, but now it's blatantly obvious. Well, it was blatantly people... obvious back in 2020, but now it's even. It's it's. I agree. It's, <laughs> it's it's coming out in all these different facets, but. Uh, okay, so let me ask you: How are you planning on getting some of this other information in front of Congress? Well, I think that um, you know I've tried doing this as an outsider. I've tried doing this through Whistleblower Protection Act, which did not protect me one bit. Um, and you know, and I have been very active in trying to investigate, you know, election uh, integrity issues. I've been involved in, uh, you know, of course, serving my country for the last 26 years. And so the only way that I see 
that any of this is going to change is if people get in there into Congress and actually do things about it. So I'm running for Congress in West Virginia's second district. Uh, I am hoping that uh, I can convince the people of West Virginia that I will represent them well. Uh, I'm certainly not a politician. Are you running for uh, with a certain party? I'm running as a Republican. Yes. Okay. And, uh, and and so I'm hoping that I can get in there. And if I can get in there, then I will absolutely advocate for bringing what's called an Article One tribunal uh, under Article One, Section 8 of the U.S. Constitution. Congress can form a special court. I think this is what's needed. Uh, the reason why we don't see any justice is because I believe that many of the politicians, especially not just politicians, but I'm sorry, the, the judges in Washington, D.C., I believe are corrupt. They're black. So there will never be justice. Or whatever. Yep. Right. And, a dis- black, and the, the Ninth Circuit. Yep. Right. So I think um, what, what would happen is in an Article One tribunal, the Congress gets to a point, and you only need a simple majority. Obviously, we can't do it now, but I think in the next Congress, I think we will have an opportunity to do it. And the per- point and purpose of it would be to create a court specifically uh, as a watchdog against uh, abuse of power by the federal government. Uh, their role and their goal would be essentially to prosecute crimes such as deprivation of rights under color of law, uh, which is absolutely going on, obstruction of justice by our own Justice Department, things like that. Um, the Congress would appoint the American those judges. People. They're just abusing, and then these right. judges are are blackmailed and they are flat out going against the law. They don't care. Look, we know that the, there was a uh, there was a um, a classified document that uh, that took four years for Senator Grassley to get declassified, and he posted it to the Senate Judiciary webpage after um, I think it was uh, he had he had told uh, after I got basically after I blew the whistle and I got um, raided. Uh, he was pretty upset about it, and he wrote a letter uh, to um, Director Ray demanding answers as to why I was, you know, rated as a protected whistleblower. Um, and he said he wanted answers by like a date in December. I think it was like December fifteenth or something like that. Um, of course, that date came and went, and he was n- and and uh, Director Ray never cooperated with, uh, you know, with Senator Grassley, and so. Uh, Senator Grassley shortly thereafter posted a document to uh, to the uh, Senate Judiciary uh, website uh, that was declassified that showed that the CIA had been spying on uh, both the House and the Senate Intel Committees to identify and find whistleblowers. Um, we know that there was a report that came out uh, about um, the uh, you know the intelligence agencies spying on the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, and so. I know just how intrusive these tools are, and we know there have been, you know, hundreds of thousands of abuses of 702. You had a report that was put out by um, by the uh, Inspector General Horowitz that showed uh, you know, something like 80 percent of all of the cases that were uh, that were brought forward uh, with the, um, you know, with these uh, 702, you know, uh, requests uh, did not meet the standard you know, that was required in order to, you know, to get a 702. In other words, they lied on their uh, applications or they, you know, omitted information uh, that would have changed the judge's opinion in allowing it. So the bottom line is, is that there's massive abuses of power that are going on. The whole system is rigged and it has to, there has to be accountability. People need to go to jail. 
uh, until people go to jail over this kinds of abuses, nothing is ever going to change. And that's really what it boils down to. I think you're right. I, we we have some serious cleanup work to do because <laughs> I've been a victim yeah. of it too. So, okay. How can they support you? Where do they learn about your, are you a, an official Republican candidate or are you still in the pool of candidates? So you are the Republican no, I, I, nominee. I, I am a, well, so I, so we're, of course, the primary is going, is going to be uh, May 14th. Uh, I have my, you know, my documents are in and I'm, I'm, you know, I am a official candidate. Um, you know, I think that in January is when we become, um, you know, we have to actually file our, our, uh, you know, our basically our, our final paper that says, you know, Hey, you know, we are going to be on the ballot, but, um, but as far as, um, you know, as far as running, I, I am an official candidate. Uh, West Virginia is one of those States where, you know, you basically pay for, well, it's like, you know, $1,700 or whatever to get your name on the ballot. Um, we don't have like a, it's not a matter of signatures or anything like that. Um, but, uh, but I, I am, you know, I'm running here in West Virginia. My uh, campaign website is natekaneforwv.com. That's N-A-T-E-C-A-I-N, the number four WV.com. Uh, that's also uh, Nate Kane for WV is also my handle for pretty much all social media so people can follow me on twitter facebook instagram your social getter gab um you know i think I, we just started a, a WeMe and, and some other you know we've got we've got several other uh, uh social media accounts but it all uses the same handle so make it easy for people to find us and you know right now uh, what people can do you know to help me is uh they can donate to my campaign you know, primaries are are uh, are difficult because you know a lot of times people don't want to, you know, they don't want to financially contribute in a primary because they want to, you know, they want to bet on the horse that's most likely to win. And what I can tell people is that uh, I do think I stand a very good chance of winning this. Um, I have some national name recognition. Uh, obviously, I'm not part of the um, not part of the the establishment, you know, class of politicians. I'm not a politician. You know, I I don't come from that background. Uh, you know, I am a an American patriot. And I think people, uh, when they hear about my story, they, they clearly, they understand that and they believe that. And I've had overwhelming support everywhere that I've gone and spoken to people. But the, the, the key thing is that, uh, you know, there's over 700,000 people in my district. And in order to reach those people, because we, it's not like uh, the majority of them are not in one city or another. We have a very rural, um, you know, uh, district. And so it's spread out everywhere. We put 8,000 miles on my car last month. And so when you think about that, it's like, uh, you know, and by the way, I have to work a full-time job at the same time. So I start my day at, you know, six in the morning and then I'm off at two and then I start campaigning. Uh, we, my wife is my campaign manager. Um, you know, we are, we are doing this, you know, as fiscally responsibly as we can. I don't waste any money. Um, you know, we've raised about $30,000 and we've spent all $30,000 and it has gone to things like, you know, um, paying for uh, advertisement, paying for press releases, paying for, uh, you know, the the card stock and things like that, that we've got to do in order to get my name out there. We've rented facilities so that I could speak, you know, at those places. Those are the types of things that we're doing. And it's very costly. And there's going to come a point where I'm going to need to step up that game and go beyond what I'm doing now and start putting up billboards and signage and you know, and running, um, you know, advertisements, which are very expensive. So I need people that can help and can contribute uh, and donate to my campaign. There is a way to do that on the website. 
Uh, they can go on the website and there's a link up in the uh, upper right hand corner that says donate. Uh, and people can go there and donate online or they can go there and there's instructions if they don't want to do it online. There's instructions on how they can mail us a check uh, to the campaign. Um, but those are, you know, that's really the biggest way that people can help. If there are, if you have uh, uh, listeners, you know, that are in West Virginia, uh, particularly in the second district, um, we need help with volunteers. We need people that are going to help us get the word out. They're going to go knock on doors um, that are going to arrange, um, you know, meetings with people that are going to set up, um, you know, fundraising dinners and things like that. So uh, we also have some people outside of West Virginia that are helping us too. Um, the lady, you know, who's helping me to do all of my, um, you know, media events and and basically does all the organizing, who, you know, probably I'm sure you contacted. Um, she's not from West Virginia, but she's helping me, you know, with her skills as a, a PR person and doing those types of contacts for us. We need help with, uh, if you have people who are talented with, um, you know, with uh, you know, creating memes and things like that and, uh, you know, digital um, they just contact uh, artwork. You. Yeah, contact they can contact us. So they can, us. Uh, they can contact us through our website. There's a contact form there. Uh, that's one way they can get a hold of us. There's an 800 number there uh, that will get them in touch with um, with my uh, comms director, and uh, and she can pass the information along. Or uh, they can go on social media, and they can contact me directly through social media. I actually do my own social media. Um, you know, I do sometimes have others that will post stuff, but I'm checking it every day multiple times. And posting things every day and uh, even though they may not be able to directly message me if they're um, if they're following me if i'm not following them they can't necessarily directly message me but one way that people have had successfully been able to get a hold of me that are in that situation is they you know they post something and they tag me in that post and because i'm always looking to see you know am i getting out there and talk, you know are people seeing me i'm constantly checking what we mentioned and so i see those and if somebody says hey you know, reach out to me. I want to help you with this. That's actually how I found my my um, phones director. She reached out to me. She tagged me and said, "Nate, you know, really like to help you." So that's a great way to get a hold of me. Okay. Well, excellent. So, well, thank um, you. Know, you. Those, are, those are things. Thanks for putting yourself up and and doing the sacrifice and working hard, putting your own money into this because of what you've went through. I mean, that's the type of people we need. People who see it from the inside and said, "Oh my gosh, I got to get in to help clean it up because I know what needs to be done." So thank you for doing that. Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of service we need. So thank you very much. And tell us your website one last time. It's Nate Kane, the number four WV.com. That's N-A-T-E-C-A-I-N, number four WV.com. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. <laughs>